Well, hello, and welcome to the Westminster Roundup podcast from the Remote Warfare Programme. Now, you may have noticed that we've actually not done a podcast for, for quite a long time, slap wrists, um, and that's largely because well, Parliament hasn't been functioning. So there's not really been much of an update to offer people. No, there really hasn't. But we're back, aren't we, Megan? We are. And we are raring to go with a new parliament, new issues on the agenda, uh, a very interesting year ahead of us. Absolutely. Um, but the first thing that I suppose we wanted to discuss today is, is the election, the outcome of the election. The Conservatives have won what you know, most people would describe as a decisive victory. Brexit is being done. Yep. Uh, as far as Brexit being done is Brexit being done. Uh, there's going to be a long transition period, at least a year, if not longer. And the implications for our issues that we talk about, defence, security, foreign policy, are going to be huge. Absolutely. Um, so I think the first thing to say is what our immediate thoughts are going to be with the new Conservative government being in place. And that is largely that there's been a lots of lots of speculation about changes in the machinery of government, whether that would be DFID, the Department for International Development, being merged with the Foreign Office, uh, which has caused a bit of a stink with lots of international NGOs, yeah. concerned that that will um, reduce the impact that DFID has as a separate standalone department. But the idea, I suppose, behind that is that with uh, an emboldened and empowered foreign office, it could direct much more strategically the UK's international foreign policy. And of course, the counter to that is well, we have the National Security Council. It already does perform that function yeah. to to a certain extent, and we're going to talk a bit more about fusion doctrine, etc. But as part of the Conflict Stability and Security Fund, this cross government fund that provides a lot of uh, funding for different projects across, I think there's about 12 departments. Yeah. It's not just uh, you know, usual MOD, DFID or Foreign Office. Um, but that the NSC does that already and the question is, do you need to have then the Foreign Office taking on that strategic role because that might dilute the role of the NSC. So there's lots of questions and the person that is seems to be, at least, from um, comments in the press and elsewhere is this mysterious individual called Dominic Cummings. Yeah. Who is Johnson's, well... Well, we don't know, I guess. His, his advisor, yeah. <laughs> some description. <laughs> Senior advisor, um, who is has already commented about his concerns around the way that yeah. MOD procures equipment, the fact that, you know, the, the, the services, the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force need to get their act together in terms of what do we need for the future. He seems to be quite committed about looking at sort of cyber security and technology, role technology in the future, looking at the yeah. changing the Air Force in terms of investing more in drone technology, um, and he's always been very focused on effect effectiveness as well, I guess. So it's very like mm. it's noticeable to see that he's very focused on yeah. how he can make these systems more effective. Yeah, sure. Um, which is definitely interesting. I, I, know, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one because it might, it could be useful, it could be beneficial. Yeah. Uh, there's people that I've spoken to, I don't know about you, but have said they don't really like him as a character, uh, not that they know him personally probably, but they don't like sort of the persona yeah. he has, except in the media. Uh, but that this could be what we need to shake up our um, our foreign policy for what is going to be um, global Britain or Britain in the world seems to be the, the, the description. So, yeah, big changes I think we're going to see. To what extent, we don't know. But, of course, we also have the 
uh, integrated security review or integrated security defense and foreign policy review that whatever it's now being it called. Seems to be all changing the Lots of right now, yeah. Um, so I think that's definitely something to to be looking at. And we're going to do a separate podcast on the national security review and keep our listeners abreast to what's going on Absolutely. in that realm. But Megan, what, what what is your story? So I feel like I've covered kind of the the big one. You have well done. <laughs> so my story is about um, the Africa summit that we've seen last week on mm. January twentieth where we saw the UK leading the summit in London, um, where they're trying to talk about how to have more investment in Africa. And this is part of a wider shift that we've seen in the last few years, where the UK has really shifted its focus towards um, the African continent, especially the Sahel and the Horn of Africa. Yeah. And it's really interesting to see how this was very much focused on the economic aspects of that relationship. But there's also been a much wider shift where the UK is trying to really focus on supporting local partners with their counterterrorism efforts, for example. Um, as we wrote about in our recent report called Fusion Doctrine in Five Steps, remote, Lessons from Remote Warfare in Africa. Um, Good plug. Yeah, I know. <laughs> go, go read <laughs> go, it. Go read it. It's online on the website. <laughs> um, and the UK, of course, is not the only one turning its attention to Africa. So we've seen this wider shift both in Europe, where the EU and many of its member states are focusing more and more on supporting mm. African states, um, but also countries like Russia and China, who are increasingly operating in the, in the same theaters. And so it's really interesting to see how the UK is trying to get in in so many different ways through economics and, and through security as well. Um, so it's been a really interesting debate. Yeah, and I suppose that. also it's quite interesting to see that that focus, that, as you say, that sort of that pivot towards Africa, if you like, and I know we've looked at sort of the more specific pivot towards the Sahel, for yeah. example, that that seems to be continuing under Johnson's leadership as far as you can take July to now as you know, his, his period. Although he seems to be trying, trying to see it as a very different period. This is this is really when he's prime minister. Yeah, anyway, exactly. I, the, the point I was going to make is that you know Theresa May went out there in August, wasn't it, twenty eighteen? Yeah, we've written right. about this. You know, she's kind of come up with this new commitment for Africa, and, but it does seem like a lot. Lots of those commitments are continuing under Johnson's Conservative government, and I think expanding as well, going mm. beyond the security and showing that there is this economic focus as well. And it's not just about supporting African states when they need help, but also yeah. using them for um, as trading partners, yeah. which is, I yeah. think, especially important in the context of Brexit, where the UK is mm-hmm. trying to show that they're going to be important for the next few years as well, in spite of leaving the EU. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we've seen this in a wider scale as well, where the UK is trying to build influence through, through its partnerships in Africa, um, both with international allies who are operating in the same theatres, but also with host governments, and really trying to show that it can have um, a continuing importance yeah. in the world, even though it's leaving the yeah. EU. Yeah, that's a really good point. And do you have a final story? Well, I mean, sort of linked to that is, again, going back to Britain and the world, yeah. and what, what is the Johnson government going to be doing? Uh, how does it see the UK's role outside of, of the, the EU? Because I think over the last three years under Theresa May, uh, we often heard that Britain was going to be global Britain. Yeah. Uh, even though you have, even I think it was a minister at the time when he said this, Alistair Burr, when he was in the, the Foreign Office, saying, well, we are global Britain, we've always been to global Britain, it doesn't matter if you're part of the EU or not. Um, so trying to put meat on the bones of what that really means, I think is going to be incredibly important. And there was a debate on the Queen's speech uh, focused on Britain in the world. Uh, and, you know, I, the, the, a point came up uh, in response to the Do- Dominic Raab was, was leading the, the government's a contribution to that debate, talking about again a great renewal uh, with 
the, the result of the, the election means that we are leaving the EU. Yeah. And it's more sort of just celebrating from their perspective that point uh, rather than really getting to grips with what that means. Um, and I think, you know, Emily Thornbury made a point about, well, what, what th this doesn't represent anything drastically new. Um, there's nothing concrete in the yeah. proposals that have been put forward and something that we've been looking at over the last sort of three years is what does this mean in terms of policy? Absolutely. Saudi Arabia, Jamal Khashoggi gets murdered, likely by the Saudi state. Yeah. How does our relationship change? Doesn't seem to change. Claims that there are certain conversations that are, are ongoing and Dominic Raab makes this point in the uh, debate. Absolutely. Um, but we haven't really seen anything uh, of great or any evidence, clear evidence that uh, global Britain does mean well we are prepared to take that step and reposition our relationship with a country like yeah. Saudi Arabia which is of course a, a difficult um, partner um, and you know as part of that debate as well, I don't know if you, you sort of picked up on this but there was definitely a push as part of this national security review which as I've yeah. said is meant to be a, a huge review, a very significant review of all levers of government and international power. Uh, and there have been comments by members of parliament to look at what role the Foreign Office has. Uh, you can talk about defence, uh, you can talk about DFID, but the department that really has lost its funding, and there's a brilliant report by Sam Goodman from the uh, British uh, Foreign Policy Group about this, has really lost a lot of its funding, and something that Crispin Blunt, the former chair uh, of the Foreign Affairs Committee, and perhaps the new chair, we'll see how that goes, yeah. uh, has sort of described the need for it to become the Rolls-Royce department, as he's put it. Um, and then there was there was uh, push from Labour members about, you know, we need to put human rights back at the heart of our foreign policy. Yeah, and this is, this is an area that we've been looking at. You know, what, what happens if, when push comes to shove, we really want those new trade deals? Yeah, uh, and it's a question of trade or pushing much more firmly on our human rights. Well, what what is prioritised? Yeah, I exactly. think in the past we may have seen uh, for what, what has been described as sort of national security interests, human rights have been deprioritised. It's about how could a a foreign, how could a, a global Britain actually uphold and show that it really means what it says when it comes to defending human rights around the world. And I think it plays back into the fusion debate of how do you fuse those efforts to have trade Absolutely. but also security, and not only security in getting rid of um, like the next terrorist group in the next five years, yeah. but also what does it mean in the long term if you support a government in the Sahel yes. that's then predatory against their own citizens? Yeah. How do you have... Or the repercussions of having that support, yeah, um, yeah. especially when you have terror group, terrorist groups that often benefit from the public being quite um, feeling betrayed by their own government or feeling like they're vulnerable mm. because of their own government. Yeah, and the terrorist groups use that for recruitment. And so, how do you play into that wider security arena through fusion doctrine and through having that fusion between trade, yes. but also recognizing the importance of yeah. having real security yeah. in the long yeah. term? And it's clearly a very difficult balance Absolutely. To, to strike. But I, I think. You know, for organisations like us, we need to make sure that we are putting the pressure on, on government to make sure that it does uphold those values that it says it does uphold. Definitely. Um, and that we can use our research to demonstrate, in particular areas, by pursuing a very hard-line sort of approach towards building relationships that don't take into account 
how perhaps building that relationship in whatever way you're doing it Absolutely. affects that country or that region, uh, you can have really serious long-term implications for national security by creating uh, unstable environments, regions that will have negative um, impact on an unintended consequences of the UK in the future. Absolutely. And I think it was interesting to see in the debate that there did seem to be a commitment towards that and towards mm. having that integrated approach and being aware of the long-term implications, not just the short term. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to see how that translates down into policy and Absolutely. doctrine um, in the next few years. And also it'll be interesting to see how truly joined up whole of government this review eventually is. Yes, you know, there's absolutely. Of, there's lots of discussions around who should lead it, push back from an idea that the Foreign Office should be leading on it, then then thinking that they should be the ones to lead on it. And we may have a repeat of some of the discussions that we had in the previous mini security review, 2017-2018, yeah. where you know there was there was sort of fights between MOD um, number 10 about who should uh, take a lead on it. So I think at the moment it's it's very much wait and see, uh, but I think this could be a fantastic opportunity for the UK yeah. to really take an important and difficult step in looking at uh, the UK's foreign policy in a holistic way. Absolutely. Because uh, it's not done that in a very long time. And I think it, especially this is the opportunity now with, with Brexit, we need to think about what is the UK going to yes. prioritise, what it's going to do, what the pressure is going to be, etc. So, yes, so lots ahead of us. Um, I hope that uh, people will be listening in to our next edition, which will come in February, to see where we're at with the review and everything else that we've been talking about. Should be very exciting. Thank you very much for listening along. Bye. Bye.